Hi, and welcome to the third episode of Mother Daughter Book Talk. I'm Alexis. And I'm Christine. And today we will be discussing We Are the Ants by Sean David Hutchinson. Before we get into the non-spoiler summary like we usually do, we're going to be giving this episode a trigger warning. We Are the Ants deals with themes of suicide, self-harm, sexual harassment, and assault. Because of this, we're going to be putting the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline in the description of this episode. If you ever have thoughts about hurting yourself, please call the number provided below. With that being said, let's move into the summary. Henry Denton has lived a difficult life. His father left, his brother is cruel, his nana has Alzheimer's, and his boyfriend committed suicide. As if this wasn't bad enough, he's been getting abducted by aliens for years. The aliens reveal that the world will end in 144 days, and Henry is the only one who can stop it. The question is, should he? Okay, now we are going to start discussing the book. So if you haven't read it yet, press pause, read the book, and come back when you're done. This is your official spoiler warning. Okay, so let's jump into this review. Um, I have, like, something right off the bat. Do you have something right off the bat? You can go ahead. Okay, so that very first quote, I love. The question whether which is more terrifying, being fully alone in the universe, or the fact that life might exist out there. Which would be more terrifying to you? If we were alone in this universe, or if there were beings other than, you know, humans that were out in the universe? 100% being alone in the universe. Yeah, I agree. If there is someone I can go through, like, terror with, it'd make me feel better. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm admitting, like, if there was actual aliens out there, that would be terrifying. But if I can put my burden of that, and share that burden with somebody else, that would make me feel better. It makes the other person feel worse, but it makes me feel better. <laughs> I mean, like, just like, it's just like, it's, I, I have no words really, like, the, the either the thought that Earth is the only is the only planet with life on it, meaning this whole vast universe we are the only living things on it, or the fact that there might be other living things out there that we've never interacted with is both both of them are terrifying to me. Yeah, well that's true, but and also what a depressing worldview to start the book off with. I will say, starting this book out, I was like, oh no. What have I gotten myself into? Same. I was like, <laughs> do I want to read this book? Yes. <laughs> it's depressing. I, I thought Anne LaRue was bad. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, for me, this past year, 18 months, whatever, has been tough with the whole pandemic and moving yeah. to a new state. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll admit, like, I've definitely veered toward more feel-good kind of book these last 18 months and to pick up this book and have like that first like really few pages of like doom and gloom it was like oh no although I had a lot of like arguing with that like I was very vehemently against what he was saying yeah well I mean like I, I wrote down here a quote I'll die, you'll die, we'll all die. And things we've done, the things we've done, the choices we've made will amount to nothing. I have a disagreement on that exact quote. Because I sincerely disagree with this. Because as we saw last time with Adi LaRue, our choices inspire people and ideas. And ideas become immortal. In addition to this, our choices make an impact on the people around us. We have no idea how one of our actions could change the world as we know it. For example, like, how one act of kindness to a stranger could keep them from committing suicide, meaning that completely changes the future, because if that stranger does not commit suicide, then that stranger gets married and has kids, and those kids have kids, and it changes the future of our world as we know it. Exactly. Because our choices do matter. Exactly. And so, but reading that, like, pretty much right off the bat, I was like, oh my gosh, this poor kid is in such a horrible headspace. Yeah. Like, it is so hard as a parent for me to read. Because, of course, like, I've got 
four kids and four monsters that is no i've got four wonderful kids Mm -hmm. and my protectiveness does not necessarily end with my four children like you know if my kids friends are hurting if anyone I know of that's hurting, you know, it, it breaks my heart because it's like we're failing as as a community sweet. for these kids to to give them that outlet to Mom, you got a bleeding heart. I do and and I, so that's why I love you. I just honestly I'm reading this and I want to wrap my arms around Henry and say, Oh Henry, you're not alone in this. Please don't don't bottle yourself up and, and wallow in in the darkness, because I've been in darkness. We've all been in darkness, mm-hmm. but you can find the beauty outside of the darkness. Yeah. So it was hard. Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring up a point about when he was talking about the ants and how we are the ants, like we're off the bat the first chapter. Oh, here, I've got, I wrote it down. The quote from Henry, your entire sense of self-worth is predicated upon your belief that you matter. That you matter to the universe, but you don't because we are the ants. Here's what I said. I said the ants may not be significant to us, but they are significant to each other. Similarly, we may not be significant to the grand scheme of things, but we are significant in the here and now of our world. So why should we let the vastness of the universe tell us that we are insignificant? And also, I googled the symbolism of what an ant is symbolized as because... Originally, I was looking for symbolism of like different things, like the mirror and other things, mm-hmm. and I saw a pop-up symbolism symbolism of an ant. So apparently, according to Google, due to its remarkable characteristics, the ant is considered a symbol of good luck and prosperity. Ants have an incredible knowledge of what surrounds them, and they do not lack conf- confidence in nature's abundance. The ant is a symbol of discipline, hard work, strength, unity, determination, teamwork, and patience, and all of those like amazing things. But this one little thing that we were saying is insignificant, and it's like saying it's remarkable. And it's good luck and prosperity. Well, and that's... And how knowledgeable they are about the world around them. Right. And, like, when I was reading that, I was like, but isn't the ant, like, one of the strongest animals on our planet? Exactly. And they can carry, like, how... Four times their body weight Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, don't be dismissive of that, you know, ability and strength that each and every single ant has. And mm-hmm. as their community, they are able to accomplish massive things. Mm-hmm. That, you know, when you look at their structures within the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you seen those videos where it's like you take an old, like, one of those, like, ant mazes. They're like, or not, like, you take one of those and they're evacuated, of course. And you pour, like, molten, like, metal down it. And when it cools, it creates such a cool, like, beautiful, gorgeous thing. Exactly. So, I was just like, like I said, reading these first few pages, I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I literally have a note that says, thanks, I really didn't need an existential crisis right now. Yes. Oh my gosh. And, okay, aliens. Oh my god. How would you handle being abducted by aliens? Well, I have right here. This is freaking terrifying. Being paralyzed and unable to talk or walk or move. It's horrifying. And then I also have, um... What a great book for me to read. Remember the nonfiction alien book that Andrew and I got from the library when we were really little? I was literally not able to sleep for months <laughs> after reading that. Because I, okay, like, it was horrifying. I was terrified. I remember, I don't know why it said this. It was in the nonfiction section of the library for some reason. But it was like, the aliens abduct you at 3 in the morning, 3 a.m. Like, and so every night, I made sure I was awake at 3 a.m. So I could just be like, cuddling up with like my Barbie doll and making sure I didn't well, get abducted by aliens. I was terrified. And, uh, you know, I, I hate that I'm going to share this here. But the kids all know this. My whole family knows this. My husband and I were on a vacation in the Northwoods in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. And we watched the movie The Fourth Kind, which is not a great movie at all. <laughs> but it's it's all about, you know, in Alaska, these people getting abducted by aliens. And I was terrified I know that entire night. And I could not sleep. And I ended up praying, like, the whole night. Like, yeah. Because, of course, we're in the Northwoods, so, you know, in that in that movie, like, the owls were not really owls, they were aliens out there, 
like looking in on the people and yeah, I mean, I'm sad. you know and hearing things out in the woods that night oh it was no, the thing that was so terrifying for me is after you made us watch that movie i was like oh that's not, that movie's not scary i was expecting it to be worse because you were like oh it's the scariest movie i've ever seen in my entire life the only creepy thing was it's like the entire scary thing like of the movie happened at 3:33 a.m. Yeah. That night I woke up at exactly 3:33 a.m. I'm dead serious <laughs> like I wouldn't joke about this. I told dad that and I was like not okay like I was crying yes. because I was terrified because I woke up at 3:33 a.m. like you can't make this stuff up. Well, and, and let's listen. Okay, so so Henry is abducted by aliens. Mhm. And the first time he it happens, he shows up wandering on a dirt road naked with hickeys all over his body. What would you right? I I would be heading straight to the cops with that. I'd be like, you need to do a rape kit on this kid. You need to figure out what's going on because this is not So you wouldn't just shock it up to sleep. Sleepwalking? I would not chalk it up to sleepwalking. I'd be like, someone violated my child. You need to figure out what happened. <laughs> and if I told you it was aliens, would you believe me? I would believe you. No, yeah. you would check me into a mental hospital. Well, I'll be honest. I'd have you meet with a therapist because I'd want to make sure that your mind is not trying, no, but trying to deal with the trauma. Yeah. Right? Because that's impossible. You know, I would, and that's the thing. The dad ends up leaving. Leaving. I'm sorry, but my kid has gone through something extremely traumatic. Either whether I believe the aliens or not, obviously something has happened to my kid. Mm-hmm. I don't leave my kid at that point. Okay, that brings up a good question. Do you, like this is like to the very end? Like, do you think the sluggers were real? I don't know. I don't know. I. It's easy for me to say, no, it was his way of dealing with the trauma. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it, it's hard to explain. It is hard to It's explain. hard to explain how he would disappear from his room, how he would disappear for days on end with nobody seeing him. I mean, his town, Calypso, doesn't sound like it's this grand, big place. I will say, of course it's Florida. Right. But... I don't no know. No offense to any Florians listening, but yeah, I, I I don't know. But no matter what, being naked in front of aliens, no, no, couldn't handle that. Mm-mm. I also like the fact that he was able to joke in front of them. I was like, how is he able to joke at a time like this? Yeah. Mm-mm. Oh, I literally have a note saying like, what would mom think if I showed up like Henry did? Yeah. No, I'd be terrified. Okay, here's a fun question. Yeah. Do you think you'd press the button immediately? I have that question, too. Oh! I I would. I would push the button. And for me, I would much rather push the button and know that no matter what happens, even if the world ended the next day, it would not be me causing harm to those that I love. Mm-hmm. Because if I did not push the button, because that's what happens, is Henry's shown by the aliens that the world is going to come to an end. And they teach him that if he pushes this red button, the world won't come to an end. On January what's something, it? So he's got 144 days to make that decision of whether or not to let the world end. And he doesn't initially push the button. Because in his mind, he's like, does the world deserve to be saved? And, you know, I, I mean, I can understand where he... It's like, I'm not the hero. I'm the hero Gotham needs, but I'm, am I the hero that Gotham deserves? Yeah, well, and he's been through a lot of shit. He has. He's been through some really rough times. And I can understand where he pauses. Mm -hmm. You know, the love of his life, his boyfriend, Jesse, commits suicide and doesn't leave a note, doesn't leave any explanation. He doesn't understand what 
what caused Jesse to commit suicide. You know, their friend, Audrey, like, he doesn't, they don't talk anymore because he doesn't know, was it her fault that Jesse killed himself? Was it his fault? Also, like that Audrey yeah. left for three months after Jesse committed suicide. So, like, he So, was- she completely abandons him mm-hmm. in his mind. And, you know, so it's like everybody leaves him. You know, his dad left him, his boyfriend commits suicide and leaves him, his, their friend, their trio, you know, just completely bails on him. You know, his brother is, I swear to God, a sociopath. No, he gets so much better. He gets better, but, like, when we first meet him... Uh, I was like, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. He is an awful human being. He is. And let me just say, that scene from the RV, I was like... Is he mentally disturbed? He might be. <laughs> and when y'all, like, if you've read this book, the RV is downright disturbing. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but it's disturbing. It is. This, this, okay, this book is very crass. Yes, like, it's very we've crass. read, like, Sarah J. Mass books that have, like, smut, but it was, like, not, like, crass. Yeah, I was uncomfortable, and I was like, oh my gosh, how are we going to discuss I know, especially, like, the mother-daughter dynamic. Yes, but, you know, I I, I have written here, Charlie in the RV, question mark, question mark, question mark, ew. Yeah. (laughs) So, I also also said, okay, great, the fate of the world is in the hands of a suicidal teenager surrounded by shitty people. Charlie's one of the worst assholes ever. Yes. Charlie, I hate that kid, Mm -hmm. initially, when we first meet him. But again, I mean, we're seeing this from Henry's perspective. Mm-hmm. And granted, we we see Charlie as he sees him. Mm-hmm. Does that really mean that that's who he is as a person? Mm, it's kind of yeah. like, yeah. okay, here's the thing. <laughs> he is a horrible person. Yeah. But it's like the whole, like, Quint Erickson thing, like the whole firefighter talk. That was, like, the whole realization, oh, maybe he isn't bad as we see him as. Okay. So, I had one question with the whole alien thing. Yeah. Why can the aliens not return him to his bedroom? Like, why? Why can he maybe not go? with him. I think they do. I really think they do. Because <laughs> he will, like, appear after he's being abducted. Like, in completely random places. Like, an elementary school. Like, I'm sorry, but you drop a teenage boy off at an elementary school in his underwear. That's, like, asking to be arrested for, like, yes! I'm like, this poor kid! Like, you know, like, also, I was like, okay, this dude gets abducted by aliens, and he still has time to study over freaking covalent bonds? I was like, what the fuck is that?! It's awful. And I'm like, and what do they do with his clothes? Yeah, what? Was, why do they need his clothes? And they're just like having alien fashion jokes. <laughs> like, human fashion is the new trend in alien world. Mm. And so they gotta just abduct him, take all of his clothes to get like the more supply of it. So I personally really felt like I bonded with the mom. Because, like, she would say things and act in ways that I felt, like, were totally me. Like, you know, early in the book, she says, can you do one fucking thing I ask without arguing? And I was like, that sounds like me. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) why does that sound like our family? Like, it's supposed to be the dynamic of a messed up family, and yet it sounds like our family. Yes. What should that be telling us? totally me, but whatever. So anyway, uh, Henry is called Space Boy Mm -hmm. by his fellow classmates because Charlie, of course, tells the school that his brother Henry believes he's being abducted by aliens. Charlie is a gem. I hate Charlie, but I love the science teacher. I love teachers that are passionate about their subjects. And I also love how, like, the teacher... Like, understands that there's something wrong, and she's not just, like, ignoring it. Yes. So, but anyways, so the kids are mean to him, and one especially is super Marcus mean. Marcus McCoy. And it's Marcus McCoy. We pretty quickly learn that 
Marcus and Henry have been hooking up. I my first question was actually, is this a fully consensual relationship? I didn't think it was consensual at all. You didn't? Mm-mm. But then I also commented after like we figured that out, I commented I hate the bully ex victim trope. Like, okay, there's the difference between the enemy to lovers and the bully ex victim trope. Yeah. Because enemy to lovers, it's it's very different it's handled very differently. Yeah. Bully ex victim, it's always one person who is exerting power over the other in the classic bully fashion and yet there's still romance which see for me i i took it as oh henry why are you doing this to yourself because for me it immediately had a punishment to himself Mm -hmm. kind of feel yeah like he felt he after jesse didn't deserve somebody who truly cared about him Mm mm-hmm so he was just gonna have, you know, whatever with somebody who treated him like shit, mm-hmm. and that was like, oh, that that just breaks my heart. Yeah, I don't. I I mean, it feels later in the book like a bully ex victim trope. Yeah, but uh, both seem like good, not good, but feasible options. So there was one quote here early on. That was, I want to enjoy myself like everyone else, but I always end up huddled on the floor praying for the end. And I was like, oh, Oh, baby, that's just heartbreaking. It's like, you know, to, to see someone who wants to be seen, wants to be part of the world but just, you know, wants to collapse and, and remove themselves from mm-hmm. that. It's just, it's heartbreaking. I will say about being seen and wanting to be part of the world. He had a quote about how everyone secretly desires popularity, despite saying the contrary. And then he says, oh, except for me, I don't, I don't desire popularity. I'm not popular nor do I desire it. I'm like, you can't just say everyone secretly desires popularity and then be like, oh, except for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, when you read the description of how Jesse killed himself, what did you think and what did you feel? It was really sad. It was really sad, but it was so kind of matter of fact Mm -hmm. that, like, when I read it, I was like, oh, he has not dealt with this yet Mm -mm. at all. Like Unresolved trauma. Yes. He needs therapy. So it was, it was almost like, oh, you're so clinical with the way you're describing this. Mm-hmm. You just, you need to talk to somebody about this. And that's where, like, I question why has the mom not taken him to talk to somebody? Because she's too wrapped up in her own crap. Mm-hmm. Okay. When Diego was introduced and they were having a conversation... I don't remember what the exact quote was, but they were talking about books. And at some point, Henry says, books are for ugly people. And I just, I want to say, then how do I always look so fabulous if books are for ugly people? Who said that? I don't remember. Henry! To Diego! But then he described, like, that he and Jesse used to go to Barnes and Noble. I know! I was like, what the heck? That's like, only... Amazing people realize the awesomeness of exactly Barnes and Noble. Noble, I could live there, Mom. You know this. I know this. I need to just like go to Barnes and Noble and live there. Absolutely, we need to go to Barnes and Noble. Yes. Actually, no, we could not because we will buy as much as we can. Then we'll end up leaving the store empty wallets, but books in our hands, Mm. which honestly might not be that bad. So Diego is. A new kid at school, and they start talking, they start becoming friends. Is it bad that I can't, like, not, I cannot hear that name without imagining Dora's cousin or brother or boyfriend or whoever he is? Cousin. Cousin? Okay, because sometimes when you Google it, who is Dora's boyfriend? It comes up, Diego, who is Dora's brother? Diego, who is Dora's cousin? Diego! Anyways. Enough about Dora the Explorer and Diego. 
Okay, well, it's Diego. Diego says something. And it's sometimes there are too many people and I just want to find a quiet closet to read in. Other times, I want to surround myself with as many people as possible. But I love the beach. And I made note of that and I said... I swear Diego is my soulmate. <laughs> me too, me too, mother, me too. Except for the fact that he's gay, but... But, well, no, he's not gay, but... I mean, he's... Well, he's, uh... I'm guessing he's pan, because he said that he cares about people, not... What yeah. parts they have. Either pan or demi, but I'm not an extra on this. But I said here, like, right after that, I really hope Diego and Henry, Henry hook up. Oh, me too. I really wanted them together, because I felt like... Diego's perspective on love. I have the same thing. I have the same thing in there. Really could help Henry realize that he needed help. I said I love Diego's perspective on life and I love how it contrasts Henry's perfectly. Also, I asked I asked multiple times, why is he such an ass to Audrey? Like I love Audrey's character so much. Audrey felt like very relatable to me. Like I love Audrey. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, like, for People who are in relationships and people, you know, even friends, even you're not in a romantic relationship, you're still in a relationship. And for people to go through something as traumatic as losing either a boyfriend or a best friend, because Audrey was Jesse's best friend. Mm -hmm. You either, it brings people closer together or it really tears them apart. And that's why, like, people who have lost children, you know, a lot of times end up divorcing. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't bring them together. It breaks them apart. And, yeah. You know, they're turning blame on each other or they're lashing out at each other or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, it it hurt knowing that they were both still hurting from the loss of Jesse. Mm-hmm. And they could not find that way initially to... Each other. Come back to each other. Mm-hmm. And there was that resentment on Henry's side toward Audrey. I will say I did cry when uh, there was the reveal about why Audrey went missing. Yeah. I cried because that was just so, like, heartbreaking. Also, when they were having their conversation over cookies about how it took her so long to realize it is not her fault, it is not anyone's fault... It, just, it, it broke my heart, Mama. Yeah. And I well, cried. And that's where I wish Audrey would have said to Henry right off the bat, I'm going away to get help. I need help getting out of this. And I think you need some help, too, because this is just too much for people our age. I don't know if like it was her asking. I don't think she was in the right place to even say anything. She was... I'm assuming her parents just shipped her off. Probably, but... So she didn't have the chance to say that. And her parents lied to Henry, so I'm assuming they wanted to keep it hush-hush. But that's sad. I know. I hate the stigma around mental health. Huh? I hate the stigma around mental health people have. Yeah. Where they keep it hush-hush. Yeah. I, d- I wholly disagree with that. I know. That's why I always try to be open about mental health. Absolutely. And there is no shame... In needing somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Or needing and medication to help you. Absolutely. Because you don't shame someone for needing, I don't know, medication for, like, heart failure. Well, and that's the thing. that The conversation Audrey had with Henry. Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, Jesse was sick. Mm-hmm. I loved that. In that she embraced that and said, it's not my fault, it's not your Again, fault. Again, I was just saying, I cried during that Jessie was sick. Because it's true. And I think I wrote it down here, too, about... And I'll have to look for it. But... It's going to be further down. But it's it's just one of those things that... Until you've realized how depression can affect people Mm -hmm. and how here it is 
depression isn't this is a quote from the book depression isn't a war you win it's a battle you fight every day you never get to stop never get to rest it's one bloody fray after another jesse got worn down and didn't think he could fight anymore that just and mm. it's it's one of those things where you read that and you're like oh my god yes Mm-hmm. because that's the thing is you can look at somebody and you wouldn't even notice. you wouldn't even notice necessarily that they're struggling yeah, you know I that it took every ounce of energy to get for out them of bed that day. exactly to get out of bed and you know it's it's so easy to dismiss mm-hmm oh just get over it you're fine you know just be happier yeah don't be sad. And I thought that quote, though, was like, wow, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, just something simple. I it know. is a war and battle. And, you know, sometimes you just succumb to the scars and the the trauma of trying to battle every day. Mm-hmm. And you just hope that, like, I, I just, I was like, you know, did Jesse let his parents know? Did Jesse try to let those around him help him? You know, or did he just try to shoulder the burden? The burden of his illness by himself. And that's so sad. Yeah. So anyway, Henry goes through a lot. He does. He's still deciding what to do and he and Marcus split ways because mm-hmm. Henry's decided he's just done. He's done dealing with Marcus treating him like crap. Mm-hmm. That was after the party, right? After the party. Yeah, he's decided he's done with Marcus. Marcus had a party, treated him like crap and he's like I'm out. I'm done. And he then gets more and more punishment from Marcus and his friends. Mm-hmm. And we're at Halloween. Oh my god. And he he's in gym class, he's showering after class. Mm-hmm. And he gets attacked. His hands and arms duct taped, you know, they beat the crap out of him while he's naked. They pour latex paint all over him. And toss an alien mask on him. Take pictures of him. Spread them all over the internet. All over the... Worldwide. And, you know, he's stuck with the trauma of that. You know, and... And for, like, it was for the rest of the day, too. Like, he didn't... So, the, the coach walks in. You know, they end up calling the police... They take him to the hospital. You no, know. they don't take him to the hospital. I thought they did. Oh, no, no. that was later on. Okay, so they, they he deals with all of that. But he knows... It was Marcus. It was Marcus and his friends. And he does not rat them out. Which I do not understand. Would you have ratted them out? Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, yeah. But they... Bond's broken no matter... like. I, first of all, would not be with Marcus McCoy. Yeah. Because, you know. But also, like, if any of, like, anyone, any friends, any, like, future relationships, spouses, anyone doesn't look up to me, they're done. Yeah. Usually it's a three strikes, you're out policy. That's a done. That's a one and done. Yeah. What would you do? Like, how would you react if someone did that to me? Well, and that's the thing. Like, I have a note here because, like, for that assault that happened... I was like, this reminds me of that show, 13 Reasons Mm Why. And that is so hard to go through. And the mom forces Henry to go back to school Mm -hmm. after, quotes, the incident. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck that. My kid is not going to be going back into that situation. Not going back to that school. I was like, there is no way. Obviously, the school is not doing everything it can to protect my child. Exactly. And I am not going to subject my child to 
being put into situations where there is a felony assault mm-hmm. happening on school property. Exactly. I was like, oh no. Mm-mm. 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 While I, was... I while I said I you know felt like I understood the mom, I don't understand that. Okay. Also, when he punches the one guy and breaks his nose after the whole nickel incident, would you have gotten as mad as? No, I would not have been mad because you you give me a high five. I would, although I would have said, "Dude, you've got hundreds of dollars worth of nickels. Why didn't you stuff them in your bag?" <laughs> Yes, an asshole thing to do, but like hundreds of dollars, we could use that. Like yeah, the, they're not like the richest family in any sense of the word. Yeah, the, her, like, their mom is the waitress. Yes, and so I was like, dude, you take the money and say thank you for contributing to my iPod or iPad. You, or, no, you get you know. the money in a duffel bag and hit him over the head with it. Well, exactly, and then you go and punch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was like, like, you want to give me a high five for punching him? Well, and then I was like, you know, the principal is sitting down with Henry after the incident. And he's asking, she. or she's asking Henry if he provoked his attackers. Victim blaming. Are was, you kidding me? I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. If you would have told me the principal said that to you. I would have lost my mind. You would go mama bear. I would have lost my mind. We need to be hiding a body. Yeah. I was like, "Uh uh-uh. Nope. I know I was just as mad. So. So. You know, there's, after that, one day where Zoe, who is Charlie's girlfriend slash baby mama baby mama so she takes henry and they end up going to get shakes and joey zoe says milkshakes make the world seem less shitty yes and i was like truth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also, okay, before that happens, yeah. when Zoe and Henry have their conversation about what would you do if the world ended, because he asked literally everyone that yes. question. I love Zoe's perspective on that, and I also love how it's interesting that he'd even need to ask. Mm-hmm. I love that's how she, what she brings up. Mm-hmm. Because it, well, yeah. And, exactly, and, like, even Diego, like, I believe when he asks... Or he talks about it with Diego. Because he doesn't hide after a while from Diego. That he... The aliens, you know, and that kind of stuff and what's going on. But to Diego, he keeps saying... I want you to want to press the button. I want you to want to press the button. And he doesn't want Henry just pushing the button for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Like, he wants Henry... To, to be want to press the button. healthy and happy enough to see that the universe is not out to get him. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's such a depressing book. That's going to be my word of the day again, just depressing and existential crisis. Yeah. I need to have, like, a word of the day for every episode. Like, make that, like, a new part of our tradition. <laughs> but I just, I also, I was surprised that he told Diego about the aliens. Yeah. Because I didn't think that he'd want to bring that up at all, ever. Well, and that's the thing is, like, initially they become friends, and eventually yeah, they become... Yeah, quote friends. They become more than friends. They can, in a way, become friends with benefits kind of thing. Friends with bennies. And Diego will not share with Henry his past. Why do you think that was? I I figured it had to do something with trauma in the home. Yeah, same. And eventually we get that story from Diego much much later in the book. And I was so shocked that he said it like with his with Henry's whole family there. Yeah. And so he does that. It's Christmas or somewhere around It's like Christmas Eve. And the mom's peppering him with questions and he just straight out says 
you know, he, he beat the crap out of his dad, you know, and, you know, because the dad was going after the mom. the mom, and the dad was a meth addict, and, you know. What would you do if I brought home a boyfriend, and, I was, and he says that to you? I would be sad. Would you give like, him a hug? I would. I knew you Because, I mean, that's a thing, and I wrote down here, I mean... Domestic violence, mm-hmm. it it sucks, and the people that end up getting hurt the worst are the kids. Are the kids. Mm-hmm. And it is so awful that, you know, kids are put in those situations mm-hmm. where they feel like they have to step in. Yeah. To protect the adults. That's that's why we always do the Purple for a Purpose 5K. Yeah. That's why we always do the domestic violence awareness. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, like I I wrote a note. I I'm like, going to cry so right long. now. It's yeah, so sad. It's so sad. And that's the thing. And then the mom, Diego's mom. Wouldn't testify. Wouldn't testify against the dad. And, and so that's why. Because they could have argued for self-defense. And his mom would not. She would not testify. And that's the thing that is such a horrible thing to realize. I believe it. The, st- the statistic is women will go back to their abusers seven times. It's a cycle of abuse. And so she knew she was going to be going insane with him. Mm-hmm. So she didn't testify because she didn't want to put herself in the line of fire. And that is heartbreaking. That's, it's selfish. It is. And, but it, I mean, it's a, it's a form of self I, I understand, defense. but it's just like. And it's for a woman who's been through that kind of abuse. I understand. You, you get convinced that there's no way out. Mm-hmm. It's like the beaten dog, you know, like you beat a dog so many times. They don't believe that they deserve to be petted. They don't deserve to oh, be. Oh, don't loved. bring dogs into this. I'm already Sorry. about to cry. <laughs> So, I need to go give, like, our dogs a hug because, yes. like, I'm sad now. And so, anyway, Diego and Henry kind of try to, you know, figure out... It's very much a will-they-won't-they sort of situation. Yeah. What's going on and, you know, it's still... You know, Henry's still messed up with the whole Jesse situation. He is. And, you know, he doesn't know if he deserves to be in a relationship with Henry. Or with Diego. Henry doesn't know if he deserves to be in a relationship with Diego and that kind of stuff. And he's talking about it with Audrey. Mm -hmm. And she gets almost, like, pissed at him. She does. I love Audrey so much. And then get she, the bacon. Well, she says, and I have it here. Eat the bacon, Henry. <laughs> Eat the bacon. And he's like, wait, is Diego the bacon? You know? yes. yes. And then I love how it cuts away to them making out. Exactly. I was like, oh, you know, Audrey, your perspective. I love Audrey love so it. much. She's the best character in my opinion. And I wanted to sit there and say, yes, children, my children, eat the bacon. Eat the bacon. And that's, I think, the difference. Because, like, for me, I lost my mom when I was 10. And it was to cancer. It wasn't that she left our family. It wasn't a choice thing. It was Mm -hmm. through sickness. And so I've always lived my life you know, you enjoy every moment because it's not a guarantee mm-hmm. that you're going to have a next one. Yeah. And so that's kind of like... I need to give like, you a hug right now. I'm like yes. giving you a hug because like I'm about to cry. But that's, I think, my biggest thing with this book was that, you know, our experiences in life, you know, kind of guide us through... They make us who we are. Exactly. And, you know, we can live with these dark things that happen to us and you know nobody goes through life with all Sunshines roses and rainbows and, yes rainbows and you know that roses kind of stuff. always have thorns it's that ability to accept that shit happens but know that 
we can turn to each other. We don't have to be alone in that darkness. And whether it be religion, whether it be friends, even online. Like, we can find others who will be there with us through our darkest times. And even, like, that's why I feel like us posting the, you know, hotline for the National Suicide Prevention Line is so important because Mm -hmm. we're not alone. None of us are. And we need to realize that there are people who will be there with us and walk through that darkness with us. I'm just saying, I'm getting very many dear enhanced vibes right now. Yes. You're not alone, even when the dark comes crashing through. Sorry. Too funny. It's, it's dear enhanced, like, especially towards the end, like, when he gets, like, cast on his arm, and he has a conversation with him, I was like, major dear enhancing vibes, getting some major so big, so small vibes with the mom's talk. So, okay, in the book, we get, like, little snippets of different ways the world would end Mm -hmm. on January 29th. Which one was scariest to you? I have that same question. I have, what was your favorite doomsday scenario and what was the scariest? I don't know. Um, probably, I don't, I'd say the sun dimming one because that was the longest one. Yeah. And then, I don't know, I also really liked the, the nanobots. I have the nanobots. That, to me, was terrifying. But if it's only two days, compared to years knowing that you are going to die, you are going to freeze to death, the food is dying, people are... Yes. No, I I get that, but the idea... Or the cockroaches. Oh my gosh, you... That was, like, my worst nightmare. I did... I actually did predict it. So are the random stories chapter... Are the random chapter story, stories Henry writes... Yes. Did you think of that? I, I, the first one I read, I was like, okay, well, I thought that this was like, is like what's going to happen. Yeah, me too. With like North Korea, you know. Well, no, I, because the asteroid was the first oh, one. Oh, the asteroid was the first one, right? So I was like, North that's Korea. what the slugger said is going to happen. Yeah. Because of blowing up. So like, when are people going to actually figure out there's an asteroid? Like, I genuinely thought that for the longest time until I realized, oh, there's more of these. Yes. So... You know, eventually I was like, all right, I get what's going on here. Yeah. But, um, towards the end, Marcus attacks Henry at the school fair uh. and almost rapes him. <laughs> I pretty, I never, did you ever like sort of start forgiving Marcus? No. Before that moment? Mm-mm. Yeah, me neither. I felt bad for him because, like, Marcus was going through a downward spiral. And I feel bad for him in the sense that he never felt comfortable enough in his own skin to be who he truly is. And so for that, I I feel bad for him. But I did not feel bad as in he deserves Henry's time and energy. With the whole comment, he was, when Henry brought up the whole assault thing, he was like, I fucked up. I'm like, dude, you didn't fuck up. You assaulted him, spread his photos all over the internet, continuously bullied him, harassed him, had literally people beating him up. And, like, that's not a fuck up. That's, like, a freaking sociopath. Yes. But it's it's that privileged child Mm -hmm. mentality. Yeah, that he doesn't realize the extent to what his actions really did. Okay. Um, I had this one... What did you think about Henry breaking into the, the Jesse's family's house? I get it. Because Jesse's parents wouldn't talk to him after Jesse's death. Mm-hmm. So I get that he wanted that closure. I would hope my children would never break into their ex's... <laughs> Or, you know, their former significant other's house. Oh, man, there go my plans for the weekend. Yeah. But it was it was really sad. And it, it was sad. And I was glad that the mom came over and had a conversation with Henry after mm-hmm. that. I love that. Because I think by that point, enough time had passed where they could start that healing process. Mm-hmm. But I loved her saying... 
please don't break into my house ever again. Because <laughs> I was like, I yes, because I would say the same thing. Yeah. What, what would you do if, like, you were the, the mom in that situation? Like, some one I, of your children's exes breaks into your house. I would probably have said, let's go make some cookies. <laughs> you, you? Of course you would. I knew. No, because you make cookies every single time. Any of my friends come over. Yeah. Like, I used to, like, when I had friends back in uh, Arkansas, we'd be getting ready to go to my house. and be like, how much you want to bet that she makes cookies? Yeah. Like, I haven't seen her. I swear to you, I've not seen her getting groceries. I've not seen anything. I have no way of knowing, but I promise you she'll make cookies. Lo and behold, we walk through the door. You have, like, a tray of three different kinds of cookies. Yeah, because, like, Zoe with the milkshakes, cookies make everything better. <laughs> you just want to be a soccer mom. No, I don't want to be a soccer mom. I, I've been a soccer mom. I, I know you like... have been. No, but cookies make everybody happy, so I want everybody happy. I love you so house. much, mom. <laughs> But anyway, so Marcus attacked Henry, Uh and the teacher comes up, and, you know, they call the cops. I love the teacher so much. Take him to the hospital. Diego goes after Marcus. And I was like, oh, Diego. Like, because this kid's on probation. He is. I was like, you've got to dial it back, dude. You're on probation. Let the teachers, let the cops handle it. But the cops won't handle it. <sighs> but, oh, that You saw what happened with Audrey. I she was, was glad he didn't get in trouble. Like, yeah. he had to go to court. I, and, you know, he I said it was self-defense, but. I had a note saying that Diego and Henry were the perfect example of right people, wrong time. Mm-hmm. Because it felt every single time like it was the wrong time. They couldn't get together. It was the wrong time. Yeah. And so, like, that breaks my heart. But, like, then they finally got together. Also, I need to see a picture of, like, that painting. painting? I need exactly. to see a picture of that. Yeah. If anybody ever makes fan art of that, I need to see it. Because I Googled for it. I could not find it. And I just, like, I need to see it. Okay. So, Henry is talking to his mom at the hospital and he finally says to her I'm not okay I have a note about that I say it's so those are some of the words that are the three hardest words to say ever exactly admitting that you're not okay is something that takes a lot of courage it takes a lot of time to do I will say to you it took me over a year and a half to work up the courage to ask both of you if I was if I could go see a therapist yeah because I just, I was worried that either I would be seeing some of those people who think that, oh, anxiety is trendy, or I wasn't worthy of it. Like, people have it worse than me, so obviously I don't deserve these attention, and it could be helping other people who are worse off. But it took me over a year and a half to admit to myself that I needed to see someone, and then probably to ask you about it. And right. so... I know personally how hard it is to admit to yourself and to others that you are not okay and you need help. Right. And so that moment really struck a chord with me. And for me as the parent, of course, I was like, absolutely, let's get you somebody mm-hmm. to talk to that you yeah. can... You were amazing. So, but for for anybody, that step is the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I loved that they put that in here and they acknowledged, like he said, it would be so much easier to just, to just say, say I, yeah, I'm good, you know. I'm fine. Yeah. But he finally admitted he needed that help. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he did it and, you know, there's, you know, you go through that and there's a quote here I have after that. And he says, the world pretty much sucks, but the bad shit that happens doesn't cancel out the good. I love that quote. I, I love that entire last, like, chapter. Because it's, like, yeah. it's the exact opposite. It's not the exact opposite. It takes the first chapter, restates everything, and then counters it all. Exactly. And I even have here, I say, he, he says, uh, we may not get to choose how we die, but we can choose how we live. The universe may this. forget us, but it doesn't matter because we are the ants and we'll keep marching on. 
I adore this book so much. And so I gave this book four stars. I did too. Only because it was hard to read. To read. It was one of those books that makes you very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while it made me feel good at the end, it was just still, it, it was painful for me to read. Yeah. Um, favorite part? Um, okay, let me get into my favorite parts. So I'd say my favorite part was probably just when the trio got together for the carnival because I love their friendship together. Like, I love this trio of people, Audrey and Diego and Henry all together. And I also love the really serious aspect of Henry and Audrey's kind of confrontation because it... it it, because you'd expect a confrontation like that to kind of be like, oh, friendship ending, like, we're going to stop talking after this. But it, it actually builds up their friendship. They become friends after that. And that's really meaningful for me to see. And a- then... Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You were going to say something? I was going to say that was probably my favorite. I would say my second favorite was the science teacher kind of showing Henry... Like, the people... Oh, my God. I love and that. she admitted that she was called Spacey when she Veracy. was... Veracy. Yeah. Spacey Veracy. And, you know, she, you know, showed the people that she went to high school with and explained where they were in their lives and how, you know, it doesn't all... It doesn't matter. ...end with, you know, what happens here and now. Mm-hmm. We all go continue on our different paths in life. I love that moment. And so that was definitely probably my second favorite. And maybe just helping the nan his nana. I love that. Putting the pictures the up picture in of the her. Nana. I also cried during that moment. Yeah. That that was definitely something near and dear to my heart. I mm-hmm. was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, because wonderful. Yeah, we oh my gosh. Least favorite. Okay, what's well yours? No, you go No, you go this. first. I wanna hear yours. Probably that first part of the book. I don't... I it, like that part. I, I like it, but it, like I said, it was very hard as a parent to read, mm-hmm. knowing that somebody who's a teenager feels that hopeless. Yeah. So for me, that was very painful. I'd say my least favorite part was probably how the majority of the book kind of romanticized the bully-victim relationship, and then also kept trying to redeem Marcus. Like, yeah. at the end, like, it shows, like, he's a bad guy. But it's still, like, Henry still kind of felt, like, empathy towards him. Like, it just felt very, like, oh, we're, like, not at the end after the whole, like, attempted rape. But all before that, kind of tried to, like, redeem him by having him or give. Or even protect him. Yeah. Or, like, by trying to give him, by Marcus giving him the Christmas card with the money and, like, Marcus doing this. And, oh, poor Marcus. Like, I don't like that. Right. Because people excuse, use that to excuse actions, and I don't like that. He is a horrible human being who has done so many dif- like deplorable things and should not be forgiven for that. Like, okay, it's different being forgiven as in, like, he's generally sorry and he's working to make himself a better person versus saying, I'm sorry and continuing anyway. And he's saying, I'm sorry, I'm continuing anyway. He does not deserve to be forgiven for that. Exactly. And he does not deserve to be redeemed. And, like, it keeps trying to redeem him until the very end. Well, and that's the thing, like, I've always told my kids, I'm like, it's one thing to say I'm sorry. It's very easy to say I'm sorry. It's harder to change your behaviors mm-hmm. in your actions. But your apology does not mean anything if you're not going to change yourself. Exactly. So if you're going to say I'm sorry, but not change your behaviors, then that sorry is complete emptiness. It is. So, that's what Marcus was doing. He was was only saying the sorry. It's like the quote from Allure Olympus. Sometimes you say sorry to make yourself feel better. Exactly. And so, that's just very much what it felt like. Because he... He wasn't sorry. And it felt like through most of the book they were trying to redeem him. To kind of make him into like, oh, this whole big twist villain thing. But like... It... I never liked him. I it never no redeemed him for me. I never felt sympathy for him. No. I was like, he is a horrible human being. He does not deserve this sympathy and empathy. Right. And he does not deserve the time of day. Exactly. And so that's probably one of my least favorite parts. So I think we both mentioned we gave it a four star. I think with me why I didn't give it a five star is it, it just 
it it was a very good book, don't get me wrong, but it didn't suck me in as much as my usual five stars do. Yeah. Five star books usually immediately grab me, suck me in, and I don't put it down. This one, I loved it, don't get me wrong, but it just, it was so much harder to read that it didn't have that same sort of feeling. Right. And that's the thing, for, for I, like I said, for me, I had to put this down yeah. at times because it was so hard, so to, hard read. to read. So... Anyways, we'd, I think, both recommend this book. Yes, don't get us wrong, we'd recommend it. And, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, better for reading this book. Yeah, this book was very interesting read to, like, analyze and take notes on. And I'm glad I read this book. Although I will say, this book was a lot harder to take notes on than previous books. Yeah. Because, like... But the beginning was very analytical notes, like Googling stuff and whatever. But towards the end, I didn't take nearly as many notes as I thought I would because, like, I usually have, like, four or five pages of notes. This book, I only have two pages. Okay. And you know this, like, very, like, big for me. Yes. And they're usually, like, it goes all the way from, uh, right from this is a wonderful idea to break into someone's house, right to realizing we lost Evie Nicole Denton. Yeah. Which we didn't even touch on in the book, but. Yeah. So, like, it just skipped right around, like, skipping a ton of stuff. So, it was very difficult to take notes on because there wasn't a lot to take notes on. I just felt like everyday life. Yeah. Rather than plot points to be analyzed, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And everyday life really sucked. (laughs) (laughs) True. Also, I will say, the past two books we reviewed have been written by Henry. Yes. Henry Strauss wrote the first book that, or not the first book, but... Addie LaRue. LaRue, and then Henry Denton wrote this book. Also, um, do you think the world ended? No. You don't? Mm-mm. I don't think the world ended. I personally think it did. You do? I do. And is it all Henry's fault? No. Then what do you think happened? I, it just, the way it ended, I like thinking that they have this, after, like, in the abyss of nothingness. This book is after the abyss of nothingness. And it just, I don't know, I, I just imagine, like, it being Audrey, Henry, and Diego sitting, like, in the sunset as the world kind of, like, disappears. Just, not disappears, but, like, explodes. Not, I don't know how to explain it, like, the light coming out. Yeah. And just taking it all in. Yeah. And, like, they don't even really realize it happened until it's already over, but they can't really realize it. And they just have this book floating in the abyss of space. Interesting. It just, it makes, I don't know why, but, like, maybe the lovers are reading the book. Yeah, maybe. And so, maybe the three of them are sitting with the sluggers. <laughs> I don't know. It's Take just, like, a few. I, it just, like, if the world didn't end, it feels like the story had no reason to be there. Like, of course it did, don't get me wrong. But, like, it takes away a lot of the stakes that were all set up. And so I love the idea of him finally being happy and the world peacefully ending. See, for me, I wanted the world not to end. Because I'm one of the idiots who lives in it! Sorry, I had to. No, but because for most of this book it felt like that was what henry wanted was looking forward to i know and we get to a place where henry is looking forward to living instead of dying dying i know and so but course, you also know i like the depressing it yes end. but and you know me i want everyone to be happy yeah that's why yeah. you're so whatever i have no words for you you're an amazing human being i'm just i like depressing endings you know that i write depressing endings all my endings are depressing and because again i would want you kids to find your happy place you don't need to be so sappy again i'm giving you another hug i want my kids to be happy so i want henry and diego and audrey but i mean i think it's like the perfect way to end it if they're just in happiness and they flip out of existence without realizing it. And they will always See, live I for eternity it in that blissful happiness. To happen on the 30th instead of the 29th. 
I get through the 29th and nothing happens. Oh, okay. And then boom. <laughs> that's that's sadistic. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a little bit. But maybe, I love that. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Just like the evil smile and laugh. On that note, well, You ready for the you. outro? Yeah. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us at our email, which is motherdaughterbooktalk no. at gmail.com. MomDaughterBookTalk at gmail.com. I'm sorry, mother. I cannot read. I am blind. I'm sorry. Our email is MomDaughterBookTalk at gmail.com. Our Instagram is at MotherDaughterBookTalk. And then on our Instagram, you can leave suggestions for future episodes. And if we choose your book, you could potentially be featured on that episode. And then you can listen to us wherever you find your podcast. So hope you join us next time. Bye. Bye!